My name is Chris Pett and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will be looking back on Rangers' final victory over Celtic at Ibrox this past Saturday. And joining me to go through this is, first of all, the returning Dave. Dave, you're coming back on a happy show. Coincidence? Uh, no, I, I ducked it for a couple of weeks and things have only gone too good. Just full glory hunter mode. That's me back now, but looking a bit better. Um, good to have you back for a couple of weeks in. <laughs> uh, and joining Dave and I is Kenny. Hi, Chris. Hope you're well, mate. I'm actually not. I'm a, I've got a bit of a cold, as you can probably hear. So um, uh, take it easy on me, guys. Well, it's, it's a positive pod, so we shouldn't be having a big, massive debate. So thanks for asking, Kenny. I appreciate that because um, I'm dying. And joining Dave and Kenny and I is finally Eddie. Eddie, how you doing, mate? Evening. Apparently, I'm doing better than you. Yeah. Bit of advice if you're not well, mate. Quit the cigarettes. That'll help you. Aye. <laughs> yeah. Aye. It certainly should. It certainly should. Uh, Kenny, just before we start, do you want to give the, um, the the listeners the advice that you gave me about quitting cigarettes? Yeah, just don't have any. Aye. <laughs> 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 the best thing you can do when you're trying to sell is just don't, just have, don't any. have any. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, look, Take that a, on board, mate, okay? <laughs> I certainly will. I took notes. Um, we're on a buoyant mood um, because Rangers finally, um, in May, finally gave us something to, to smile about domestically at least. Um, we could probably look back at the PSV game as the, the real highlight of the season, but domestically we've had nothing at all. Um, and then obviously. In the very last month of the season, we finally got a victory over Celtic. Not that it matters uh, much in the grand scheme of things. In fact, it matters uh, not at all. But for Michael Beale, it was massive. For Todd Cantwell, uh, Nico Raskin, it was massive. For, for Robbie McCrory and Red Van Yilmaz, it was massive. Obviously, these boys um, all getting a taste of the old firm victory. Obviously, Robbie McCrory did uh, get a victory last season, but... Um, I think this one it was more involved, so I'm sure we'll be talking about McCrory um, later on in the pod. So just before we get into obviously team team news and uh, the what actually happened in the game and and individual performances and obviously Michael Beale's uh, tactical performance in the day because I thought he got it pretty much spot on. There's a few things I noticed, so it'll be interesting to see if you guys noticed it or even if you've noticed something that that maybe I missed. Um, as I say, in the grand scheme of things, it really does not matter at all. I'm not in here to kind of get it up them or anything like that because we're in no, we have no right to do so. Uh, obviously, with them staring down the barrel of another treble. But listen, it's it's a, a win's a win against Celtic, and and you will take it regardless of the circumstances. Um, Dave, as I say, for Michael Buell, I think this is I think this is pretty big. I, I know I mentioned quite a few players there. Um, but these the, the guys that I mentioned there, McCrory, Yilmaz, uh, Cantwell and Raskin, they're, they're going to have new teammates next year, so hopefully it's more a regular thing beating Celtic. But as a Rangers manager, your, your shelf life can be very short at times, especially if you don't beat Celtic. So to get that monkey off his back, it kind of does relieve the pressure a little bit getting into next season. Because I have to say, if we get beat on Saturday, the pressure would really have ramped up on him, rightly or wrongly. I you said the words I was going to say there, the... The monkey off his back. If he'd gone, what would that be four without a win? Mm. At, that's getting to the point where that's five, five, two Scottish cups and two in the league, and then obviously the this is his so that, first So that'd have been five, and obviously the other ones have been tight, and he showed signs of competing. But if you look at other managers who've picked up from a, a poor spell, think back to McLeish coming in, and then Walter coming in. One of the first things they did to restore that wee bit of pride was beat Celtic. 
even yeah. when it looked pretty bleak. McLeish get a couple of good wins towards the end of the season. Or a, I think it was a draw, but it was such a bad run he halted. And then Walter came in, and we got a, I think we got a 3 0 win, did we not? Uh, uh, yeah. The child had a free kick. No, uh, we beat them at Parkhead, and then the 2 0 at Ibrooks. We beat them at Ibrooks. The first four uh, against Celtic in Walter's second spell, we won and didn't even concede a goal. Yep, so. It's taken a wee while for Bill to get that, but he's now stopped to rot in that run of defeats. And <clears throat> just say it's end of season fair, where their heads are at compared to ours. Don't worry too much into it in the context, but it's important for us to get that wee shot in the arm, get into the close season, and maybe just start to spread a wee bit of doubt amongst their players that, right, okay, we're no getting this all our own way in this fixture. Rangers are good enough to hurt us, and they're good enough to punish us. So it gives us a wee bounce going into the summer and hopefully it just starts to sow a wee seed of doubt like, as I say, Walter and McLeish's wins did back yeah. in that period as well. Eddie, how did uh, how how do you see um, Flamengo build this, this victory? I think you kind of nailed on. Ultimately, I don't think the actual game and the result itself means much. Um, obviously, this season it doesn't. Other than it takes that monkey off his back because if he'd lost, it wouldn't have been a big deal as a solo kind of this season but that really really would have ramped up the pressure going into next season and it would have been putting him into a situation where anything other than a positive result in that first old firm of next season would have really really saw a lot of calls and I, I don't agree with them but it would have seen a lot of calls probably for for some changes because we are an emotive fan base and rightly so and, and I'm head of the pack in that emotive fan base I swing from here to there depending on how things are going because that's just the the kind of response that football brings out in us and if he'd lost that game going into and then going into the next season and lost again that would have been too many and it would have became a thing yeah and it, it was too early in his career for it to become a thing um, and and that would have been very difficult for anyone to overcome especially someone who's only in their first kind of couple of years as a first team manager but he won it so we can shake that off it's not not going to be one of those he can't beat Celtic he, he can he knows how to now it's just whether we can recruit right to put him in a position where he can beat them on a regular basis yeah Kenny I'll ask you a slightly different questioning so obviously I don't think there's much more we can cover about uh, Michael Beale unless there's anything else you want to add but in terms of the players I mentioned um, maybe we can take McCrory out because he has experienced um, a, a win against Celtic but if you look at uh, well, Suter, Yilmaz, Raskin uh, and, and Cantwell uh, and to, to some extent Rabbi Matondo them all getting their first win um, it, it puts them in a better mind frame getting into the summer you, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, up to a point, yeah. I think, uh, listen, the one thing I would say, it, it, these games are about momentum. They've had the momentum for a long, long time. Uh, since last January, actually, they, that's when the momentum swung. I've been saying for a long time, we, we really did, did have to turn them over at one point to start to shift that momentum. Now, I'm not saying it's turned already, because it hasn't, but that, that anybody that's played football know this, that, that the manner of that defeat for them Will be will be a hard one to take because they were second best all the way through that game. Um, it's a monkey off of Michael's Beals back right away, and for the likes of the, the newer players, as you say, the you know players getting their first victory, uh, it's massive because uh, first of, first of all they'll have, they'll have seen the you know and heard how much it meant to us actually on Saturday, but it means just as much to them because there's a few of them out there that are playing for their futures, and I think 
every one of those players that you mentioned actually came out with very, very high pass pass marks, if you like, because they they all did very, very well. And yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with all three of you in what you've said. It's grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a huge amount for anybody. I do think that they, they've they're all still playing for cup final places and whatnot, so their season is still alive and, and kicking, if you like, but we've put them a, a wee bit back in their box to a certain degree. Just on that, Kenny, obviously, um, before the match, I would actually argue, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not arguing this with the benefit of hindsight, I, 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 I think I said this at the time, um, getting into this match, there was more to play for as a Celtic, um, from a Celtic perspective, than there was from a Rangers perspective, because really what we're playing for there is to get the monkey off the back for our manager, which is big for the Rangers fans, but in the grand scheme of things, does they matter? Because a win doesn't secure second place, that's already secured. A win, yeah, it takes us, you know, an inch closer to Celtic, but they're already miles in front, so again, doesn't they matter? A draw, you don't learn anything. However, Celtic, on the other hand, they they can't get it now, but um, before kick-off, they were going for a record haul of points to overpass Brendan Rodgers' um, haul. Uh, they were going for, obviously, a record haul of uh, single victories in a season. Uh, they obviously won't get that. So I, I really would argue that they had a lot more to play for than Rangers. Uh, we had pride, whereas they actually had... Uh, let's be honest about it. I mean, let's, let's be brutally honest about it. They, they, they were going for records that would have probably never been surpassed and uh, not not in our lifetime so i don't buy this whole it was celtic reserves because in many ways it was rangers reserves because we'll get into the team just now but before we get into the team uh i will admit when i seen the celtic team i thought we, we've got a chance here obviously a lot of, uh i wouldn't say a lot but quite a few fringe players were playing for celtic obviously burnaby and um, kobayashi um Abada very dangerous, but obviously he'd been he's he's lost his way in the last couple of months, so he's not really been in the team. And then obviously the boy up front O was was preferred to um, in front of Kyogo and Maeda. So, um, but nonetheless, you also look at the other the other side of the, the coin there. They still had McGregor, they still had Jota, um, uh, Starfelt as well, uh, and uh, Hatati, who 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 I do obviously believe is probably one of the one of the better players. So. It wasn't by any means a Celtic reserve team. I don't buy that narrative at all. It was very obvious that was going to be the narrative if we won the game. But um, as I say, the Rangers team, if you actually look at the Rangers team, had McCrory, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Yilmaz. So that that back four itself, um, you know, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Yilmaz, I don't actually think they've started a game together. And then if you look at the back five, uh, if you include McCrory, that, that definitely hasn't been a... a a lineup we've seen this season. Midfield was Raskin, Lundstrom, and Jack, and then up front was Cantwell, Sakala, Matondo. Um, Eddie, I'll come to you. Uh, I was surprised to see Ryan Jack. Uh, I thought he would feature at some point from the bench. Obviously, he's not played in a couple of weeks. He was trusted to be flung right in. So that that shows for me that although Ryan Jack has his injury problems, um, he he can go out injured for a period of time, but can slot straight back into the, the team because he has a great level of fitness. And I'll be honest, even when he was hooked, he was taken off in the 83rd minute. I actually believe he could have finished the game. He didn't look as if he was blown at his arse or anything like that. So that was really pleasing to see going forward, getting a new contract. That will be his role predominantly. Uh, one game a week, if we can get one game a week out of him, that would be fantastic. Uh, so that gives me great confidence in the art. Um, 
McCrory, obviously, it was we were told that he would play anyway. Yilmaz, really happy to see. The front three is where I was worried. Um, Cantwell, a nailed-on starter. Sakala, I expected to see him uh, regardless. It was the other position, Matondo. Um, I really did expect to see Morelos come in, especially um, on the back of Michael Beale's comments at the press conference where he sort of kind of backtracked a little on what he said. So... It was one of those ones. I seen the Celtic team and I thought, oh, we've got a chance here without seeing the Rangers team. I then see the Rangers team and I go, hmm, right, okay. Um, we we know exactly um, miles ahead of that starting 11. If anything, you could probably say Celtic had the strongest starting 11 on the day. Yeah, I mean, this whole reserve team nonsense is just that. It's a nonsense. I mean, look at the fees they paid for some of those players that came in um, to that starting lineup. That Burnaby's like the third most expensive signing over the 22-23 season. O is the most expensive signing of their three strikers. So it's not like it's not like the old days where you had a start in eleven and then you just had a reserves. They they are strong squad players who are, are there to be brought in. Yeah, okay, four changes. I think it was round about what they had. Some forced by injury like Carter Vickers, but some just to to give players some time and see whether they're going to be worthy of playing in the starting starting lineup for them in the final. But I don't see that as a reserve team. I just see it as using their squad and you could argue if anything like you've just laid out there our kind of team was more tending towards the the kind of fringes of the squad than theirs I would say um, and you're right a few surprises I was surprised to see Matondo I was disappointed to see Sakala starting um, and I was disappointed to see Sakala playing up until about the point where he scored and made me look like a fool um, but overall I, I think you've probably nailed it on Jack a fit Ryan Jack is one of the best midfielders in Scotland, in my opinion. Um, and the problem has just always been with Ryan Jack is his body can't cope with two games a week. So if we can manage that better next season and, like you say, play him one game a week, then he'll be a real asset for us. And I think he fits in really well with the midfielders that we've now got to play along alongside him. I think Raskin probably had his best game for me since he's joined the club. And I think that comes along having that kind of assured partner in midfield. Um, I think McCrory played really, really good. It was nice to see a goalkeeper that comes off his line and makes saves because previously this season we've had one goalkeeper who can make saves but doesn't come off his line and another goalkeeper who comes off his line but seems to be made of Swiss cheese. So it, it was nice to see one that actually can do both. And I think having McCrory in the in the goal actually made the back four a bit more assured as well and they looked a bit more like Yilmaz has barely played, Suter's barely played yet the four of them didn't look like they didn't know what they were doing, they didn't look like it was a back four that hadn't played together, they looked like they, they had confidence in their keeper and because of that they were able to play with a bit more confidence. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, Kenny, what was your thoughts when you seen the team line up? Uh, again, I thought it was pretty much what I thought it would, it would be to be honest. Uh, Matondo well, we all know we're not sure about him, but um, it didn't surprise me in playing because he, he's he's done okay up to a point, and you know in that position, um, quite surprised to see Ryan Jack as you say, but I, I thought the the midfield and the way he played that diamond w- was absolutely tremendous. That's something for the you know to be looking at next season and the way you've got to play them because the way that particular midfield shut off, shut off their space they, they you know cutting out those angles was was absolutely tremendous um suter I expected 
uh, Yilmaz, you know, with, with Barisic's, Barisic's inj- injury, I knew that would be coming. So I wasn't overly um, surprised with the lineup, uh, and I wasn't sure about whether he would start Morelos or not, but I think he threw Postacoglu a wee curveball there with his comments because... I think that was a wee bit of a, a masterstroke, actually, because I think they've probably lined up expecting Morelos to play, and we ended we ended up playing with kind of almost like a two up front, didn't we? It was it was different, and you know it certainly worked. I mean, just look at how that team might look with two proper centre forwards next season. It might be uh, might be quite exciting, Chris. Yeah, maybe. Dave, um, just we'll just go straight into the game here, Dave. You can have any comments in the start of it if you want. But um, Rangers started the game fantastically well. Um, it was all Rangers for the first couple of minutes. Really tried to force the issue. Um, Celtic didn't look entirely comfortable. Maybe a wee bit of the crowd, but especially the, the way the players were um, hassling them. Um, we then obviously work a nice move down the right. Ball comes to John Lundstrom, who takes a shot. Uh, it's parried away by Joe Hart and then Todd Cantwell strikes it home through the legs of Joe Hart to make it 1-0 after five minutes. Ibrox erupts. Now, funny thing is about that is I actually felt it was quite flat before uh, kick-off. I mean, it did start to pick up 10 minutes before kick-off, but it still wasn't. Still didn't feel like a kind of old fun match. Um, but that early goal, that early pressure, that, that brilliant early start by the players... It lifted the crowd, and then from there on in, the crowd were absolutely magnificent. Magnificent. So um, that that was well done to the players. They they lifted the crowd when they really needed to. Um, but the goal itself, uh, listen, I'm not I'm not in the business for critiquing what a Celtic goalkeeper should be doing or not doing. Do I think he should have done better? Probably. Don't care. Um, but what I will say is that takes that is quite disrespectful to Todd Cantwell because. That isn't an easy finish by Cantwell. He has to get his body over that ball, keep it down and hit it precisely with power. And that's why it goes under Joe Hart's legs because it's hit with that much power um, and accuracy. It was just a fantastic goal. Todd Cantwell's probably one of the only players that could probably score a goal like that. If you imagine if that lands to Sakala or Morelos um, or, or any other players, you know, Raskin, Jack, whatever, um, that's probably not a goal. So it was a beautiful, beautiful goal from our beautiful Todd. It certainly was, but he just as good was the wee ball out to Sakala to start the move. We're playing quite well, as you say, the start was fantastic, the crowd. <clears throat> One thing I always think is it's a two-way street. People go, oh, the atmosphere, the, the crowd didn't lift the players, but it works both ways. If the players come out the tunnel and win their first five or six battles, especially against Celtic, the crowd will get behind them and they both feed off each other. It's got to be a two-way street. crowd will no start if the players aren't up for it and if the players don't do it, the crowd will no start. So uh, the atmosphere was, was good. A couple of big 50-50s in the first opening minutes, which we won, which is always what you want against them. But we can't well as we ball it to Sakala, the wee chipped, dinky ball. It's it's a lovely wee pass. It's that really just, opens his body for that. It just looked superb. Like you actually I, body right up and then the leg just comes over. and It was a tremendous pass. You're right. A, a wee dink and it just takes the Celtic player out. And again, he, I think he's the only guy in the team that can do that. He's kind of style, and then, as you say, there's nobody you want to that to break to in the box because he gets some amount of venom on it, and it's that that makes it go in. It's the sheer ferocity of the strike. It gives Hart no time even if Hart moves his feet millimeters to either side, he maybe gets something on it. If that's weakly struck, if that's a Sakala Trundler or a Kent smash off the deck, it's the fact it's low, it's hard, and it's hit with such ferocity. Hart can't do anything about the 
the sec ball. And again, the only guy who's got the fucking attitude and what am I looking for here? The kind of venom about their game to do that, I think, is Cantwell. And it's name Melanie's deserved and it's name Melanie's performance over the 90 minutes merited. Um, we certainly will be talking about Todd Cantwell's overall performance, uh, definitely. We actually went through again and go, um, we're quite unlucky, uh, almost straight away, um, but we're quite unlucky. But then Celtic run about the 10th minute, they get an opportunity. Um, that ball that we see far too often against Rangers, where it's sort of it's either on the deck or on or, or in the sky, it beats the line, and then there's a player through and goal. And it doesn't just happen against Celtic; it happens quite quite often. We obviously seen against Aberdeen it happened uh, two or three times, and here it has happened again. Oh, it's through and goal. Uh, essentially got a one-on-one. Robbie McCrory, oh, he fucking slipped, and I was like, oh my god! But he redeemed himself pretty pretty well. He puts enough pressure on O to fling his body in front of the ball. But oh, I have to say. Um, a beautiful wee dink for, for the boy. He just dinked the ball over um, McCrory, who was on the floor. Um, mightily unlucky for his uh, point of view, but who cares? It, it kisses the post um, and then the ball's cleared. It was a major let-off because, Kenny, I'll come to you for this. If, if O scores that goal, um, I'll cast your mind back to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's first old form at Ibrox, or, or indeed his only old form at Ibrox. Um, Aaron Ramsey gets that early goal and Celtic peg is back almost immediately. Um, it could have been a case of that if, if O managed to get that goal. So plenty to criticise there for a Rangers point of view. The defending should have been better. The, the O should have been tracked. The, the line should have been tighter. Um, McCrory, he done well considering there was the slip, which I'm not going to uh, pull him up on. Obviously, just um, it's, it's worth mentioning because he did recover in time. O did have a good um, technique on the shot. So overall, I don't think we were lucky there. I think it was, um, you know, as what it is, they didn't get the goal and 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 we just battled them after that. Yep, yeah, look, I, I, the boy should actually probably score because the keeper does slip. Um, McCrory does slip and, and makes his mind up for him what he's got to do with it. Um, and he's got plenty of target, you know. He's I, I'm not here to talk about them, but to me personally, I thought he should have scored. Um, but it was the only time they broke our lines all day. Um, the only other time they managed that was obviously later on that we'll, we'll talk about with McCrory save, but that was. That was just somebody nicking the ball. They didn't actually do anything, you know, to merit that as such. Um, see, to be honest, I, I, I wasn't overly concerned about even them hitting the post at that point because I thought the way we'd started um, was actually even slightly different from the game you're talking about this time last year where, where Ramsey scored. Well, we did start like a train, but we instantly, the minute we scored that game, we sat in where I, I actually didn't do that. Uh, 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 on Saturday, we actually did instantly try and just keep pre- you know pressing at them, and and it was the only time they went up the park. The first time, sorry, I beg your pardon. The first time they went up the park, they had done that. And I wasn't sure if he was offside or not. Oh, but I'm not sure. But um, for me, no, I, I I I just had a positive kind of vibe about it from the very minute it kicked off. We we just looked right up for it. And I don't even think that if they even if they had scored, Chris, uh, they wouldn't have stopped us on the day. I think we were just up for it and out to make a point that, yeah, we know the, the way the seasons went, but you're not winning this game. We are. Um, and to be honest, I, I, that's all I could really say about it because for me, the boy O should score, but he didn't. So unlucky, mate. Ah, fuck him. Um, <laughs> we always say... Uh, 
well, we've, we've not sat together as much as we'd have liked this season, but obviously when, when we do sit together at games, we always say when Rangers get an early goal, which is few and far between, let's be honest, but the the, the, the rare occasion where they do get an early goal, we always say to each other, they get another, because then the chances of winning the game increase two, three, four, five-fold. Um, and as Kenny alluded to, this Rangers team over the last 18 months, 24 months, they've got such a habit of when they get that goal early, they kind of look to try and kill the game off a little bit by slowing the tempo down and sitting in and, and almost trying to manage the game. Um, to I, I would say the rationale behind that is to get the, the other team more fatigued and then we hit them in the break and get the killer goal maybe in the second half. Whereas here I'm screaming... Again, fucking keep going, keep going. Get that second goal, because I knew it would kill them. I knew it would kill them. I'm sure you did as well. It's not a benefit of hindsight. And we did. We just kept going, we kept going. We force a corner. Tav gets it in, and John Suter. Um, I actually am not too sure who it is he loses. Maybe Starfield. He loses his man. He gets a brilliant header. Uh, it, it's There's that much power in the header that Joe Hart's looking for the ball as the ball's in, actually behind him. It's 2-0. Um, at this point, any anxiety that I have is, is evaporating very quickly. And it's exactly what you have to do to a Celtic team. We've got a terrible record against them uh, overall. We've got a terrible record of getting the first goal. We've got a terrible record of when we get the first goal, we don't get the second goal. And here we are, starting exactly what us four have all been saying all year. That's how we need to start against them. Exactly what us four have been saying all year. If you get that first goal, try and kill them off with a, 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 quite a quick second goal. And and here it was, 2-0 after 34 minutes. Um Goal itself, fantastic, but the, the individual who scored the goal, just a word on him as well, Eddie, he's been through hell this season, personally and professionally. He's obviously lost his brother, and then his injuries are just fucking, just, it must be so hard for the boy, especially to go through what he's went through personally, but then to deal with the, the injury as well. He obviously got his dream move, and it's, it's, it's not been exactly the way he wanted it to pan out. But here he is, he's now fighting fit, he's looking strong, he's looking physical, I do want to talk about his 90 minutes. We'll come on to that at the end of this discussion um, about the events in the match. I thought he was superb, but um, I was so, so happy that it was him that got the goal. Um, hopefully now, a big fan of John Sutter, hopefully now he just kicks on and becomes a player that we all, I don't think hope, we all know what he is capable of. And this this could be a big goal for John Sutter uh, for his long-term Rangers career. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really nice to see him in score because you know how much it meant to him. And he came out and he said afterwards, the whole time he was injured, he, he was dreaming of getting that goal. You absolutely seen what it meant to him. He was absolutely over the moon, wasn't he? That's, you know, it, it's always amazing when you see a Rangers player score. But when it's someone who, it just means the absolute world from, especially someone who plays in a position where they don't routinely get, like, goals or even chances to score as often as, as kind of our positions just to see the the kind of joy on his face and to hear him talk about it afterwards because you're right it's been a, a shocking year for him and um, you wouldn't wish the kind of year that he's had on anyone really to, to lose a brother it must be absolutely devastating and then you know to to have one thing going for you is your your career then as well and then that's kind of put on the back burner because you're having to deal with these injuries and knowing inside that you can contribute, seeing your team struggle, especially um, defensively, and knowing that actually if you were fit, you could be out there and you could be contributing to watch. So seeing him back, seeing him fit, performing how we saw him perform for Hearts last year, especially towards the end of the season, uh, it's just great. And, it, you know, I'm not going to use that cliche of like a new signing, but it will be delightful to just see him hopefully go through summer and have a proper pre-season where he's fit and then actually play uh, like a full season next year. I'm not saying he will, but hopefully we'll again another 
situation like Ryan Jack, if we can keep him fit, if we can manage him, manage his body well and get him playing more regularly, I think he'll be a, rea- a real asset for this team. Absolutely. Uh, Kenny, you mentioned it, so I'll just come to you. Um, the, the Matt O'Reilly chance, run about the kind of 50th minute, actually came from a mistake from Ryan Jack, who was very loose with the ball, tried to play the ball back to the defence and uh, Matt O'Reilly snuck in, drove at his Probably the only time in the match where a Celtic player was driving at us and we looked a bit scared, I will be honest, because we were backing off instead of going to meet the challenge. Um, O'Reilly breaks into the box, he takes a shot, it, it looks as if it's goal-bound, and Robbie McCrory um, does what... And, and I don't I hate doing this to young players, know that Robbie McCrory is um, a young player anymore, you know, 24-25, but in terms of playing for Rangers, he still is a fairly inexperienced player. But um, I'll do it anyway. Um, it reminded me of uh, peak Alan McGregor. That kind of save just gets the arm out, gets it over the over the bar. Um, and what I like about it is there's this thing coming into football now with goalkeepers when they make a big save, there's a big massive celebration after it. McCrory just it, it just looks so. I don't. It still does look like a a young guy who hasn't felt his body yet which I suppose is one of the worries about him uh, for, for me, but he's so, you know, laid back, just back in the line, organised defence, ready for the corner. Um, he had every right to be very proud of that and very pleased and, sh- and express um, great delight because it was a fantastic save, but th- there was none of that. And, and I actually like that because that's a focused wee guy who has... Alan McGregor's always said this, it's not about it's not about the individual, it's about the team. And I think McCrory's got a wee um that wee, that that same streak in him. Yeah, it was a crack, cracking save, I have to say. Um also uh, on that point, somebody else that does very, very well there is uh, John Souter, who you're just talking about, who manages to force uh O'Reilly slightly wide that forces him to hit it, you know, back the way. Um Suter put enough pressure on him, but the, the save itself was fantastic. And another incident as well, you're talking about McCrory was at the point, if you remember, in the first half where O dives. I think Cantwell had went in for a challenge and O dives, um, and Connor Goldson's having a go at him. I don't know if you noticed this, but McCrory was over shouting the ball at, uh, at Connor Goldson. God, go on with the game, you never mind him, uh, which was again brilliant to see. Um, He's got the makings of a, fight, a very fine keeper, actually, and uh, I'm delighted he's getting his opportunity now because none of us know exactly how good he is. We don't know if he's a Rangers keeper or not, um, but on this evidence, the last couple of games, uh, yeah, he, he looks nailed on to me to, to be staying and to perhaps get his opportunity, and I know we're going to bring another keeper in, but the two of them, whoever it is, will be fighting out for the first choice, I think, because he's grasping the chance here, isn't he? He really is doing well, and it was a cracking save. Do, do you see what I see, though? Um, you know, not that I'm uh, picking up any uh, negative points about McCrory, but do you see the 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 slight, um, you know, build in him? Well, I feel he's still got another two or three levels to go up in terms of his body mass and his muscle. I just feel... At the moment, Kenny, if you told me that McCrory's going to be our number one getting into next season, I still would be slightly nervous because I don't know if his body's robust enough. I don't know if he's got the the build to be um, a Rangers first team keeper at the moment. I still feel there's a bit of development to go there. I think technically, 
Um, he absolutely is good enough. I think mentally he's absolutely good enough. It's just that the physicality with McCrory at the moment is what is probably the last thing that he needs to box off, and he will be ready to be a Rangers goalkeeper. So I can see why we're looking at another keeper, or am I just talking shit? No, to be honest, I don't know. Maybe Dave knows better than I do about this because I don't know how you go about uh, making a goalkeeper or building a goalkeeper in that sense. I don't know. You know, you know. Do you know what I mean by this? Where there's certain players that you need to bulk up, and there's certain players that need to, you know, you need to just keep ticking over or whatever. I'm not really sure what you do with a keeper with that because I think you look at. It's obviously going to get comparisons with McGregor for for obvious reasons. But when you think about when McGregor came through uh, the first team, he was just this wee skinny guy, and then almost. Yeah, but that's exactly what this is exactly what we're going to allude to. There is that I remember Alan McGregor coming in. Uh, what was it? Letizia he took over from if I remember right uh, and he was a skinny wee boy uh, and he just looked like a skinny wee boy and quite similar to McCrory to be fair in build and stuff like that so I don't I genuinely don't know but it's about ability first and foremost and he certainly yeah. seems to have it doesn't he so yeah good luck to him absolutely uh, Dave I specifically wanted to come to you for this next point because I know that you have a lot to say about this because this is just this for me was just the crowning moment of the game the most the most amazing thing about the, the, the game on Saturday happened in the 70th minute for me um, we're, we're going to come on to Todd Cantwell's individual performance we will come on to that I promise you because I know you're dying to speak about that as well <laughs> um, it's just about moments at the moment um, Cantwell was a madman um, on Saturday, an absolute man possessed. Again, another few things I want to talk about in regards to that that I felt was very pleasing. Um, but this goal epitomised Todd Cantwell's performance. Um, a ball goes loose and it comes to two Celtic players, Carl, Carl Starfelt and Callum McGregor. Um, Cantwell's thought to himself, I'm not having that. He goes in on them, uh, so he's, he's challenging both players. He wins the ball and it then goes into the path of Fashion Sakala, who runs through on goal, very similar to his chance against Aberdeen. Um, however, Cantwell is that desperate uh, to finish this game. Cantwell's actually to the side him, ready for a tap-in. That's, that's, like, listen, this isn't a derogatory, this is this is fact. Passing to Cantwell for Sakala is the shape bag move. But, however, on the flip side, it wins Rangers a game because it's a, it's a tap-in for Cantwell. The brave decision here is to take that shot on himself, considering the howlers that Sakala's had in the last couple of performances or the last couple of chances against Celtic with two open open goals he's missed. So here, the the easy option is give it to Cantwell, but Sakala does what essentially we spoke about what he should have done against Aberdeen, go round the goalkeeper. He goes round the goalkeeper. However, in typical fashion, Sakala... Um, he actually makes the angle even more difficult for himself, even though he's got an open net. Um, and he rolls the ball in, and it does eventually go in, but for like a split second, it looks like it's either going to hit the post or go out at the side of the post. So everybody's like, oh, here we go, fashion again. But the ball goes in, thankfully. Um, it's 3-0. The, the goal from Sakala is fantastic, but it's all about Todd Cantwell here. It goes for a nothing ball. It, lo- it looks... Um, it doesn't look as if he's going to be the favourite to win that ball at all. He's against two Celtic players. Carl uh, Starfelt, who is obviously part of the best defence in Scotland this season, um, he made him look silly. Callum McGregor, who's seamlessly, let's be honest, uh, went right into that Scott Brown role, you know, snarling about and, and shouting and likes to go in for a challenge here and there to set the tone. Made him look foolish, made him look soft. Takes two of them out, wins the ball. Um, it, it was a... F- 
I cheered that like it was a goal. I didn't have enough left in me when the actual goal was scored because I was. It's been a long time since I've seen a Rangers player do that against Celtic, and and Carmel was like that all day. Aye, as you say, his performance overall was terrific. But this is what you're what you're looking for from a Rangers player in these in these games. And what's became clear for me to me as part of your transfer policies, there's two kinds of football players. There's there's team leaders. Front foot players, guys who look to get on the ball, make things happen. Gallus, arrogant, swagger. You've got Raskin, Cantwell. Arfield's a good example. And then the flip side of that, you've got guys like Davies, Sakala, Matondo, who are a wee bit more, I don't know, hesitant in certain respects. And Cantwell absolutely is the epitome of the guy we should be building the team around. Launching into that tackle, taking two of them. As you see, I was cheering that the tackle as much as the goal before it even happened. And then... It goes to Sakala, and Sakala's run actually cuts Cantwell out. He should have went wide and looked for the cutback, but he's went kind of straight cut across Cantwell, and he's, he, he can't really cut it back from where he goes, but thankfully he manages to sell Joe Hart the dummy and then under and uncomfortably close to the post. I, I don't want to see that goal again in case it actually hits the post. I can't watch it because it goes <laughs> so near the post. Because you just, on its flash, if you see there's a photo on Twitter, and it's for the main stand side and everything the govern stands get their uh, hands in their head because we've seen twice him miss for similar areas but I suppose law averages he's got to get one but he just tr- trundles it to the post but Cantwell the dig fight heart that would be great see if he was just like that see if he was just a wee digger who just got in and got in people's faces but the fact his ability is frightening as well mm. it's just I've absolutely Head over heels in love, man. I never thought I would love again the way I feel, the way I feel about Todd Campbell. Aye, just listen. We'll come on to him in a wee second. A couple of more things I want to box off here. The game, Peter Doubt, 3 0 Rangers. Um, couple of cameos off the bench. Arfield, come on. Lowry, come on. Lovelace, come on. Hadji, come on. Um, when they particularly say that any room done any harm to the, the chances for a starting lineup over the next couple of weeks, for especially lovely, so you know, he had one or two touches despite only having a couple of minutes. Um, good to see Lowry again. Always good to see Scott Arfield, Yanis Hadji. I, I have to say, um, this this is a criticism of Yanis Hadji, not based on his performance against Celtic for the, the last twenty minutes, but he really does need to obviously. Um, he he needs to knuckle down. I I have to say. Um, I spoke about this last week on the pod. He's he's probably disappointed me a little since his return for his injury, because I get it's a, a horrific injury, but to have only started what is it one game since since January, um, I don't know about that man. Maybe the injury's a lot worse than 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 we all all thought. I know it is a, a, already a, a horrific injury anyway. Um, maybe he has struggled, but I just expected a lot more and certainly um, he is someone if we were offered any decent amount of money I certainly would take the money because um, as I say I just felt as if his contribution levels since returning from injury however harsh that sounds I've just not been quite where I probably expected it and to be fair to Hadji he probably expected more from himself as well because there's no way he's been happy how the last couple of months has went for himself so um, that's probably one to keep an eye out for uh, the last remaining weeks of the season how Hadji performs and the rest of these games on the game itself I thought the tactics were just absolutely spot on um, a couple of things that I noticed we allowed and, and Celtic had 60 odd percent possession and this is this is I believe why. Obviously, the two early goals helped because we just sort of went, we just have the ball, do what you want, um, because we've got a game plan now. However, 
I noticed that Celtic uh, were allowed to play out from the back without any pressure on their back line. However, when that ball went into midfield, we were all over. It was like a blanket flung right over. We were all over them like a rash. And one thing I noticed about Todd Cantwell was he was he was orchestrating the press. He was telling people where to go. He was telling people when to, when to go, where to go. Um, and it was a real leader performance. Again, we'll come on to it. But I just was like, this is really, really good. And this is exactly... Celtic from back to front, they can't do it. They need their midfield to supply uh, their very potent uh, uh, top three, um, front three, sorry. And their midfield is essential for that. And I think Bill has finally worked that out. They can't, their, their fullbacks can't do what a Barisic or Tavernier can do, albeit they are good fullbacks, of course they are. Carter Vickers can't do what Conor Goldson can do in terms of those long sweeping balls up front that breaks the lines. Um, Carter Vickers and, and Starfield, they always play any, they always look for Hitati and McGregor or, or, or O'Reilly. Um, and we allowed Celtic to do that. And then as soon as it went into that, that uh, area of the field, boom, we were on, we were on them, and we were winning that midfield battle because we were pressing. It, it was, it was so good, and Celtic were getting no joy. Uh, I think Kenny, you said that they only broke our line once. When do you ever see that from from this current Celtic team? And then when they did get any, you know, pressure on the wings from Jota or whatever, uh, Tav had him had him well sussed on the day, which was good. Didn't get much joy. Um, so the game plan itself, Kenny, I'll come to you for that. I just felt this is this has to be the standard now. Um, take their midfield out, and they, they aren't as potent as what they what they can be. Um, and it just absolutely has to be the standard. And I word on Todd Cantwell's leadership for this press. Yeah, the, the boy Cantwell is a special player, isn't he? He, he, he really is. Uh, I, I just love that aggression and the. The commitment that he's got, um, as you say, he's pointing and he's 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 directing traffic a lot of the time. Um, I actually thought, you know, you said something there about you know they had sixty eight percent possession. Yeah, but out of that sixty eight percent, about eighty five percent of that possession was actually a, between their two centre halves. They they just passed it back and forward and didn't do anything because they, by the time you know the the, the third goal had come. Uh, they just knew that trying to put it into McGregor, Cantwell had him in his pocket all day long. And there's not, listen, I'm a, quite a big fan of Callum McGregor as a football player. There's not often you'll see that uh, in Scottish football where he did, he just doesn't get a sniff. Uh, Cantwell really did do a number on him. Uh, that's what impressed me most actually about Todd Cantwell. Uh, was the way he just went, right, okay. We've, we've had Tillman in there doing that a couple of times and he's done all right. It just shows you the talent that this boy Cantwell's got because he has, at this minute in time, to me, he's got the lot, actually. Um, a bit like Dave, never thought I'd fall in love again. <laughs> and it, he's just a special, special player. Um, I can't praise him highly enough, actually. There was another couple I thought were absolutely tremendous. Oh, we're but going to we're going I, to know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, You're sitting uh, here. <laughs> just a wee bit. But <laughs> it's allowed, I'll allow it. <laughs> but that—that's what I was going to say. See what you're saying about leading the press. Just think about this, as I say, and this is no harm to Matondo, uh, Matondo or Sakala. That they weren't—they don't know when to press properly, Chris. Neither no. of them do. So when you've got proper 
you know, strikers with that ability to do that, that team under Michael Beale is going to be a huge amount better than it is at the minute. Um, he's got, listen, we've seen it, this is five times we've played them. We've lost by the odd goal a couple of times, you know, uh, we've had, a, was it three times in a, in a draw? The games have been very, very tight and it's individual errors that are cost, you know, have cost us over the piece. We didn't have any of them on Saturday. And that was the difference. We defended properly. We we pressed from the front due to Todd Cantwell doing that. And as you say, dictating where everybody wants to be. You know, he wants everybody to be. And with the, the, the midfield behind him playing as well as he did, I thought we, he just got his tactics absolutely nailed on on Saturday, Michael Beale. He sussed, that, he sussed out how to stop there, you know, full-backs causing you bother, coming in, you know, inverting inside and stuff like that. They just couldn't do it. Yeah. We, we just did a great job on them, Chris. We really did. Eddie, um, another thing I noticed, especially in the second half, was, uh, and I couldn't believe it, but it was actually a bit of a masterstroke, really. John Lundstrom effectively was playing out wide right. Um, and I thought, why is, he, why is he in that position? And then... I noticed that when we played long balls, we were targeting Burnaby, and Lundstrom's physicality was winning the winning hands down all the time. Um, Burnaby could not handle the physicality of Lundstrom. Um, Lundstrom was either knocking the ball down or holding the ball up and bringing others into play, and Burnaby didn't get a sniff. I thought that was that that you just would never have called that before the game to see it in action live. Uh, master stroke for me. Don't know if you noticed that yourself, Eddie. Or maybe I've now brought it to your attention, you actually remember? Yeah, to be honest, it hadn't actually clicked to us, but now that you're bringing it up and I'm running through the game in my head, you're, you're right. And I think that just shows what Beal can bring to the, the managerial role. Um, I think his strong suit, obviously, and I think everyone knows this, I'm not like breaking any ground with this, but his strong suit is he's a, a real student of the game and a, 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 his kind of strength lies in the tactic side. And we've seen before when he was um, a coach alongside Gerard, he would often bring out that kind of odd, surprising tactic that we perhaps hadn't expected going into a big game like this. And that's it coming back out again. Now, if he can do that two, three times a season next year and uh, against them and kind of spring a tactical surprise, almost like doing a, a Walter Smith type thing of just chucking a player into a, a different kind of role than we would normally see. But, knowing full well that he sees them day in, day out, and he knows that they've got the capability to do that, but the opposition don't know that they've got the capability to do that. It's just that kind of evolution that we're looking for in a manager. Because with Gio, and I'm, I'm not looking to slag Gio at all, but it was very static in that this is how we're going to play and this is how we're going to play for the whole game. Very rare he changed things other than in Europe. Europe seemed to be the only time he was comfortable in changing the tactic for, for the most part. Um domestically you just seem to be like well we're better we've got better players so they should just play better whereas Beal kind of brings that overall looking at the opponent studying film of them and and kind of picking up on weaknesses and thinking outside the box right well if they do this how can we counter it so I'm quite excited to see what he can do give him a summer to rebuild that squad and um, get to know the team a bit better again and just see what other kind of surprises and loopholes he throws out out there um, when we're up against kind of some more European opposition and in the old firms going forward. Kenny, how did you see the, uh, sorry Dave, um, how did you see the, the tactical battle? I thought, as we've said, I thought he got it right. I th- it was a bit of a mix, a mix up from normal up front with Matondo and Fashion playing as strikers and Cantwell as a kind of number 10 behind two false nines, which 
I think through them, I think you're right, we said earlier, they were expecting Alfredo to turn up and they never. And we tried to utilise Sakala and Matondo's pace. And I standing off them and letting them play into midfield before going and getting it back. He's, the thing I like about Bill and the reason I'm convinced still that he's the right man is he's he's a football philosopher, if you like, and he's got these ideas and he's a good coach. But he has changed it and adapted it and made it malleable over time. I think Gio had his system, as he says, and that was it. He stuck to that. Whereas Bill will adapt, even within games, adapt to what's going on and be a bit more pragmatic. And that's one of the secrets to success at Rangers is to adapt because we face challenges of such a different scale and that some weeks we're playing against teams with players that can't really compete with on a technical level. I don't think that's harsh. Bottom six sides and then we go into Europe and play against elite level teams. So we need a swathe of tactical approaches and you can probably see Celtic at the upper end of that as well. We need a set of approaches that are going to work for games like that, where it's stand off, let them play, press at the right times, choose your moments, and other games where we're going to have to basically try and smash a parked bus to bits. So it's encouraging that you can see Bill starting to adapt and and change things. And it's a cliche amongst Rangers fans now. We always talk about Walter's curveballs in old firm games and it's a cliche because it's true because he did always adapt something or try something or put somebody in a position and, and play slightly differently because he knew in the games it was a bigger challenge, a harder challenge and he had to try and match something that they had that other teams didn't so aye, we said at the start he needed the monkey off his back but to get the monkey off his back but also show that it's not just rigid 4-3-3 as sometimes it was under Gerard for maybe not select games but for the most part the, the wee bits of adaptation and improvisation and targeting within games like putting Lindstrom on Burnaby I mean that happens to us all the time players teams put their biggest tallest players on Borna or on Yilmaz now and try and exploit physicality so it's encouraging that we're now identifying that and trying to do that and not rigidly or slavishly adhering to certain tactical setups Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's talk about some individual performances. Um, Todd, Todd, let's talk about Todd. We'll come to, we'll come to him last. <laughs> so at least that came on. <laughs> I know, because I know as soon as we talk about Todd, you'll go away, so I'm going to keep you. Um, Yilmaz, uh, he's finally arrived as a Rangers player. That's probably one of the best left-back performances I've seen all season. You can obviously caveat it there by saying, oh, but... The game didn't matter, etc. But listen, Yilmaz has not had many opportunities. This certainly was a chance for Yilmaz to show us that he can, he should be retained going forward. I mean, asked me last week, would I sold Yilmaz back to Turkey? I actually think I said to Kenny in the pod last week, yes, I would. Now my opinion has probably changed. Can we get a better left-back for the money that's going to be available this, this summer than the one that we currently have? I, I, I don't, I'm not too sure. I know that's only the back of one game, but I look at his pedigree before arriving at Rangers. I look at what I've seen so far. I've not been overly impressed, but I've not been disappointed, um, which is more than you can say for the rest of the signings. Um, I thought he was tenacious. I thought he was working really, really hard. He, he likes a tackle, which is surprising. Not seeing that side of him yet. He, he gets stuck right in for a, for a small guy. Final ball, not as good as Borna's, let's be honest, but that's fine. He's young, he can work in that. But he certainly gives us everything that Borna probably doesn't, especially in this way. So there's no sleeping at the back post with Yilmaz. There's no passing the ball back. I don't think he passed the ball back once. It was all forward. It was all forward thinking. Um, I'm sorry, Borna, but your time is up and you've now been replaced. Kenny, is that is that where you're at with it? Because 
this that, that has, this has to be the future, whether it's Yilmaz or not. That type of left back has to be uh, in our starting eleven next season going forward. Bonner just will not do um, anymore for me. It's a case of thanks for your service. Should have won more, but you still achieved quite a bit at Rangers. Um, go and enjoy the rest of your career. Um, possibly over the next couple of years, you might be remembered more fondly. Um, and it's it's uh, it's ruthlessness. And Yilmaz certainly is in pole position to get the shot. And just before you come in, Kenny, he did mention something very very interesting. Yilmaz on Twitter and Instagram said it was his first old firm one at Ibrox and it won't be his last. Love it. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, what ha- what I felt happened there was see- seeing the first, somewhere about the first 10 minutes of the game, I think we had not long scored and he got caught out of position at one point. He was about five, six yards further up the park than he should have been and a badder got in behind him at one point. He didn't make the same mistake again, not once. And what I noticed right away about him is that Abada was going at him, target, you know, let's go down this by, you know, this line and get in behind him. And Yilmaz matched him for pace all day long. And that was the end of Abada as a as a as a threat to us. Because apart from that we three or four yards uh, burst of pace, he's not got a huge amount actually, the boy Abada. He's a good player, but if he's coming up against another good player in Yelmaz, he just nullified him completely. Totally agree with you in terms of him going forward. He, he's got that tenacity. He's got something about him that um, is really quite attractive to watch. I played left back when I was a kid, and he's very, very good at what he does. Um, where where I think we, uh, we are at with him is we, we discussed this last week in the podcast where I had actually said to you that if he... If he has a good performance in this fixture, you've got a decision to make about him because once you can prove you can play in this fixture, then you know he's going to be able to handle Scottish football in general. You've said it yourself, or Dave said it there, about teams will target, uh, the way we did with Bernabe with Lundstrom, will target the physicality uh, or the lack of physicality in an opponent. He'll get that, but you get the distinct impression with this this young guy that that isn't going to be an issue to him at all. He's got a proper aggression about him for such a slight-looking chap. Um, would I keep him? Uh, yes, I probably would. But then again, it depends on if you get a crazy offer, I suppose. I don't know. Um, but weirdly, uh, it might well be that left-back is an area that Michael Beale's going to look at and say, I'll sort it next season because he's on a five-year deal. Um, he's got uh, Yelmaz there and Borna Barisic, but Borna Barisic's got into his last year. You, it, it might well be that you don't get a particularly decent offer for Borna Barisic and he keeps him as cover. I don't know. Um, and you, you are going to play Yelmaz week in, week out. Um, personally, as I said to you last week, I'm not, I just, I'm not quite sure but on the performance of Saturday, yeah, I, I would be, I'd be quite inclined to make sure that we we keep that boy in time. It, you know, keep him as happy as we can and make sure he's settled in the in the city. Get a good preseason and see where he goes for next season, because if he can perform like that in that fixture, Chris, as I said, he he he'll do fine for us. He really will. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly got a chance. Eddie Kenny talks there about uh, the newer players making mistakes, which is allowed to happen. Um, but it's all about learning from those mistakes and 
make sure it doesn't happen again. And uh, one player that I have to say my criticism levels were rising of was Nico Raskin prior to this match. I felt it was a bit samey that we've had in the past. Um, a midfielder who doesn't score many goals, neat and tidy, but we need maybe that wee bit extra oomph. Um, obviously made quite a critical mistake in the semi-final. Um, and what we see from many Rangers players uh, over the years, again, I'm not picking on him, but he's, he's the easiest example, Barisic. How many times is he going to make the same mistake against Celtic? I don't know. Um, back post, sleeping, not concentrating, goal Celtic. Raskin had a lot to prove in this game, I have to say. Uh, he's not really exactly set the header on fire as much as maybe some fans would like to think. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make you believe that he has. Um, I actually feel as if he's... Early Rangers career has been a little bit frustrating because it's stop start and then you do see glimpses and then he goes away for a while because he's obviously carrying a niggling injury here and there. Um, so he really had to show us a right good 90 minute performance and he certainly did uh, on Saturday. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. If it wasn't for Todd Cantwell having just a you know a flawless game, Raskin probably is the man of the match. There was no mistakes, which shows you that he's learnt. Um, there's no switching off which shows you that he's learnt there was complete disdain which shows you that he's learning because when when you're going to have complete disdain for, for, for your opponents in terms of your, your biggest your biggest rivals you can't learn all that in such a short period of time there's still in fact as fans we still learn new ways to hate Celtic so I'd like to think that the the players are like that as well um, but in a technical aspect, he, you know, there was one through ball for Sakala, inch perfect snapping into the tackles, was giving absolutely nothing to them um, was all over them like a rash really epitomised the 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 tenacity that, that, that Rangers approached the way Rangers approached this game um, I thought it was by far his best performance in a Rangers shot and I can finally now say um, again, caveat meaningless game, no pressure, blah 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 Um John Lundstrom, uh, if we're going to compare and contrast, again, had a very good game. However, uh, my opinion of him has not changed because he has a body of work that the negatives outweigh the positives, whereas Raskin has a clean um, a clean slate. And uh, I can finally say I'm on the Raskin uh, bandwagon and I'm very excited about what the future holds for him. Um, how did you feel he performed on the day, Eddie? Yeah, going into the game, I was, um, I've got to be honest, I wasn't that sold on Raskin so far. I wasn't ready to write him off by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly since he'd signed, the, the amount of people that were saying how good he'd been, I, I was sitting questioning where he'd actually been good, what he'd actually done that was so impressive. Not saying he was bad, but like you say, it was just a bit samey. I wasn't seeing anything that was making him a standout. Um, so going into Saturday, I, like it wasn't like Campwell. Campwell for me, and as we'll come to, Everyone pretty much um, is absolutely over the moon with just how much of a massive impact he's had straight away. Raskin, I was like, well, he's fine, but like he's not done anything. So going into Saturday's game, I was like, well, you know, it's good to see him playing. I'm glad he's starting, but he's going to have to start producing something to, to earn that jersey and make it his own eventually. And Saturday, I think he more than did that. You're right, he was unfortunate in that Campwell probably had just about the perfect game. Um, otherwise he could have easily been man of the match and he probably still has a right to feel a bit aggrieved that he didn't get it because he did have a really, really strong game. It's just he does a lot of the work that doesn't really um, 
show up in the highlights because he does a lot of the dirty work as well, which is definitely needed. But some of his vision, some of his passes was outstanding. His breakup play was brilliant. And I, I really, for me, that was the game that you've talked about Ridvan there saying that he um, announced himself as a Rangers player in that game. I think Raskin really announced himself. I'm still not completely sold on Ridvan personally. Um, I think apart from that game on Saturday, I don't think he's been very good when I've seen him, apart from one we fancy flick against Queen of the South. Um, but no offence, doing a fancy we flick against Queen of the South doesn't do anything for me with, for Rangers player. Um, yes, he had a good game on Sunday, but uh, Saturday, sorry. But Raskin, I think, has been fine, but then on Saturday was absolutely outstanding. And it was just the kind of game that I needed to see from him to really make up a kind of decision on what, what I think a type of player he's going to be for us. And so far... Judging on Saturday, I'm excited to see what he can do as the team starts to grow around him and Campwell. No, I'd agree with that. Um, so just before we come to the Dave Gasm, uh, one last player uh, that I want to talk about, uh, Kenny, I'll come to you, uh, John Souter. Um, I thought um, all, all defenders uh, at the weekend played uh, very well, Goldson, Tav and Ridvan. But uh, Souter, I want to get him a special mention because there's this kind of maybe a wee bit unfair narrative because we judged him in a game he clearly wasn't fit up top at Livingston the start of the season it was also on the Astro um, he's playing left left side of defence I, I remember actually I think it was Tottenham um, at home in the friendly he played left side of defence and he, he just didn't look comfortable um, I think now we can sort of put that down to the boy wasn't fit because he played left side of defence at the weekend there uh, flawless absolutely flawless, flawless comfortable in the ball physical in the challenge Calm and composed. Um, listen, we need a new defender, and we are going to sign a new defender. But John Sewell, as I'm telling you, he is taking a claim to be that defender. Um, and it's if he can remain fit and he can remain in this form, Kenny, it's going to take an almighty good defender to kind of dislodge him because obviously Goldson's always going to be first choice. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for me because you want the best performing players on the field. And as I say, right now, for me, the jersey settles uh, to lose, um, and I, I, I would be totally comfortable never seeing Ben Davis play for Rangers again because Suttles get that jersey, and, and, and by all manner of means, uh, ben, ben Davis could possibly be out the door come the summer. Yeah, he's a better better defender than Ben Davis is. Uh, look, what really, really impressed me most about John Suter on Saturday was the way Celtic play where they press you really high and they've got a swarm of bodies around your back four. He was the one uh, a number of times that when he got the ball, would just give a wee dummy and carry the ball forward. And he was taking at least one, sometimes two Celtic uh, attackers out the game and we were beating their press. And he was doing it, on a, particularly that first half, actually. He was doing it on a regular basis. By the time we had nullified them completely, uh, we, we weren't even really having, to, you know, really needing to have to do that. But he is—I've watched this kid for since he was at Dundee United, and he was playing. I think it was right back. Um, he, he's a tremendous young player, um, and the the thing I would say about him is, at this minute in time, we all know the injuries that he's had over the years and all that. You know, and it's not. Um, it's not to you know to dismiss it, but this this guy's got the, the for me personally I'm talking about and a lot you know you guys might disagree with this, but he's got the look of a, a future Rangers captain to me actually. He is such a commanding player. He's good in both boxes. The amount of times that 
even again on Saturday, that the ball was getting whipped in. He was at the front post, or he was at the back post. He knows where he's got to be, Chris, all the time. He's a very, very good player. I also noticed, um, see when we were going up for corner kicks, see when you watch Conor Goldson discuss uh, what we're going to do, what you know, who's who's it going to, what run you're going to make, all that kind of thing. More 99% or 90% of the time, Conor Goldson discusses in the, in the sense that he tells the other one where to be and the other one just agrees with it, whether it was Hollander or uh, Davis or whoever. Not with John Souter. The two of them are having a proper discussion. So you can see that Conor Goldson instantly rates this guy very, very highly. Um, I, I can't express how highly I rate John uh to be honest with you, I think he's a tremendous player, John Souter. Um, and me personally, I think we're really quite lucky to have him because uh, he'll be a great player for us if we can manage his body, obviously. I, I really like that boy. I really do. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's funny you say there about John Souter, a potential captain, because I actually think there is another potential captain on the Rangers team. And now, now it's time for, for Dave to um explode because I know he is <laughs> um no listen Dave you can talk about all the technical stuff that Todd Campbell done. I want to talk about the other side of the game. It's, who was the last Rangers player that played against Celtic that had seven, eight, nine, ten fouls and didn't get booked? Can't even remember. Um he that's that's Scott Brown syndrome. If you want to go way back, it probably is Ian Ferguson syndrome. Um I don't think Barry Ferguson got away with it just as much, but um having that player that makes those constant niggly break-up fouls and it really does get under the player's skin and the fan skin obviously we can't gauge how much the, the Celtic fans are annoyed by it but if you if you use social media as a gauge oh they fucking hate them uh, do, do I think uh, if I can try and be a neutral for just a second here should he have been booked uh, yes I 100% think he I mean it was literally five six or seven fouls and I actually said I was I was at the game with my girlfriend I says He's not going to get away with this. I mean, Eddie, you you can come in and have a second, Eddie, but you you highlighted it. It's the it's the the easiest bet in Scottish football now. I don't know if you want me to highlight that because it obviously might reduce your odds if if you put it on every week. But Todd Cantwell getting a booking really is one of the easiest bets in Scottish football. And I remember saying to him, I was like, he's going to get booked at some point because it was constant. Anytime they had the ball, he was just fucking them right in there, right in the, um, the air. And I was like, oh, it's been so, so long since we've seen a player do that and be good at it. We've seen, you remember, Andy Halliday used to chase Patrick Roberts about and he would go in about three hours late, man, and he would, he would smash him, but the ball's already gone. And you're like, right, what's the point? That's just stupid. You remember Jordan Jones done it? Um, they're just like, right, if you're going to do that, you need to be clever about it. There is no one more cleverer than, than, than our Todd for that. Um, it really is a hybrid of uh, a Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and uh, Stuart McCall. He's got the classy, elegant side of him and he's got the tenacity uh, side of him. Uh, well, there's uh, a failed Rangers manager in the making then. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Eddie. Um, it's, Dave, I, I love him. I love him. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure I, did, uh, I uh, disclosed my love for him well before you did. So get the fuck away from him and he's mine. In terms of his technical stuff, you, you can describe his technical stuff, but I, I love his rough and tumble stuff. It's both for me. It's Aye. the fact that we looked at him and we can assist him. You look at his highlight reels and you look at his, his vibe, his general demeanour, the hair, the, the Instagram videos and all that. And as far as I'm concerned, he can do it once. I love his whole 
personality, right? But you look at him as a kind of football dad and go, oh, fuck, what are we signing here this week? Yeah, he's a slight, small guy, the hair, the whole thing, and you go, we're going to get a flair player. I was expecting something sort of along the lines of a kind of, don't know, who's a good recent example of a kind of last third flair player, Windass, a guy who might affect games when it suited him and bring his talent to bear and be a bit frustrating and all the rest of it. Not a horrible wee bastard who runs about cudgeling people. I fucking <laughs> love it. It's, I, I, I'm, I am I'm genuinely amazed at the how just, as you say, it's 50-50. He's got the two sides to his game. Class and elegance and touch. The wee, the wee spin they did to get away for two Celtic players and he was ultimately fouled. <clears throat> Even then, Great wee touch, gets filled, just gets up, gets on with it. Aberdeen last week, he flattens the boy pretty much just because he wanted to. And then at the weekend, he's running about, barging them off the ball, shoving them, fouling. The one he goes in, the assist for Sakala, gets that wrong and that's a foul and it, it switches the momentum back. And just, haven't it does, the only guy I can think of who's affected old firm games in that manner. The two that popped into my head were Alberts and Barry Ferguson. I think it was a quite a Barry Ferguson-esque performance at the weekend where he, as you say, triggered the press, drove his on, his range of passing, getting into the box, an assist and a goal. We've not had that since Barry Ferguson and the sheer disdain and hatred for them that is apparent in him already was Barry Ferguson-esque. And it, it was one of the best old fun performances by a Rangers player. Again, caveat that with the meaninglessness and all the rest of it all you want. The game had still had to be won and it's still good players. And it's probably one of the best old firm, individual old firm performances we've seen in easily, easily a decade, if not a decade and a half, where can't we look at the team? Do we do as well? I don't know. But driving is on, winning his battles, affecting the game positively with his passing, his movement, his touch, his ability to just shift his weight around the ball and take players out is incredible. He's, I don't want to get carried away with superlatives here, but He's the kind of guy you pay money. You go and watch your team in the hope that you unearth one of these guys every ten years. I genuinely thought you were going to say he's the kind of guy you bring home to your mum. I genuinely thought that's where you were going. I would, I would quite happily take him home to old Grace. <laughs> just this is Todd. Nickel and the are off higher, and this is me and Todd now. I'd, I'd be delighted to do that, right? Uh, but he's one of these guys that you could take him home to your mum, but your dad would like him as well because he's sound. <laughs> It's quite funny. He watches videos, he does the stupid wee videos they release on Rangers TV and he's trying to take the piss out of Kamara. He's funny. He's no got he's clearly doesn't take himself seriously. He's a hard wee bastard and he's great fit. Boy, he's literally having a look for the man, right? <laughs> uh, he's but where was I going with that? He's he's a kind of guy you hope you get one of them every ten years. You hope you get a guy who's got personality, who who you expect the unexpected, he's either going to do something mental throw an Aberdeen player to the ground or bulldoze a Celtic player. He's going to do something credible, like a nice wee tricker flick. He's going to get you goals. The guys that the first guy that springs to mind, and I'm not comparing the two because it's different eras, different levels, not the guy that made me fall in love with football properly was Gaza. Because that's what you got. You get talent, you get the odd bit of mentalness, you go a controlled aggression. Sometimes it slipped over. But he he was hedging the edge of your seat. And you, your, your heart was beating because like, what's he going to do? Is he going to nutmeg somebody? Is he going to two-foot somebody? Is he going to score? If Honestly, kind of guy that makes me to see football mm-hmm. because it's the expected unexpected and it's quality and he's got that wee bit of personality about him that, honestly, the only the only downside to Todd Cantwell being here is the fact that he's just too good for this 
yeah. this league. And we better just get on with enjoying them because I saw the day in a group chat, I've not been on Twitter much, I don't know how true it is, that Burnley were actually looking at him. Right. And in that group chat, there was a discussion how much would it take for you to sell him? 35 million. <laughs> well, I, I, is I mean, a penny less? Well, the reality is he's, the figure will be less. And would Rangers consider? I don't know. I'd like to think that they'll try and turn their way bids. But we've, we've, at most we've got a season, a season and a half out of this guy because he is going... Aye, he's gone back he's, to he's, he's gone back somewhere... A better league, at least. The thing is, he's not going to Burnley. And I'll tell you why he's not going to Burnley, because there's no way Cantwell was going to Burnley. He's here to prove a point, and he's here to get a big move. No disrespect to Burnley, but he's no, he's done with relegation, yo-yo, and um, he's here for top 10 Premier League. And um, he knows that he needs to prove... He needs to prove himself all over again, and, and, and by far what a start he's made. And just just on the, the captain thing, that obviously uh, Kenny alluded to, that was a leadership performance. Others took confidence from him leading them into the battle they yep. were looking around and they were seeing Todd was flinging himself right, left, right and centre into these players and they thought right fuck it I'm leading, I'm, I'm following him into the battle I, I said right. it earlier and uh, I've said it before in the pod, there's a, there's a big difference for me, there's there's players like Cantwell, Raskin, I thought even uh, Yilmaz at weekend aggressive front foot players who want to affect the game, they, the game they control the game and there's other guys Davies, Sakala, Matondo who the game happens to them and the game influences them. We've not had enough guys who 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 are like Todd. We've not had many guys like him, but we've not had enough of that ilk who want to take the game in our team and who want to drive the team forward. And part what stands out, I think, with Todd and his relationship with the fans is he seems to fucking love it. Yeah, I think yeah. he loves it up here. He and loves the fact that we love him. I just cannot see him. He knows he's got a good thing here. I Aye. think he, he knows. I think he knew getting into this. Right, this could be big, and he's got here, and he's thought, "Fucking hell, I've underestimated this. I love this. This is my, this is my stage." Um, going yep. from Norwich to Rangers is a massive, massive step up. No, maybe not so much in ability, because he's obviously played against better players, and he's going to come up against here. But in terms of expectation, the platform, the stadium, the aura, the the demand, the prestige, he's bought an yep. opera, and I cannot yep. remember a Rangers player who bought into all that straight away. It, it's always taking time for, for players to understand all this kind of stuff that comes with us because we're a unique fan base. We, we, we do have a lot of, um, you know, certain quirks to our needs and, and, and our expectations. We're, we're like a fan base like no other. And straight away, he's one of us. We could, that, that's why, take a bully out of it. He's obviously a very good player, but just his attitude, that's how we've all went. He'll do for me because I was never on record for saying, I don't know about this. I thought he's... Eccentricity was part of the attraction for me. I thought hey, this this boy does not give a fuck, so he will flourish here. Um, but I, I did thought I did think we were getting a show pony, and the minute I seen the way he plays, I thought, wow, we have we've got we've got a right star here. And uh, as you say, I'm just going to enjoy him for as much as for as long as he's going to be here, because I don't expect it to be the length of his contract. I hope we do get a new contract nailed down for him, so we obviously maximise that value. But he ain't going to be here three, four, five years. It's to an absolute maximum, and um, I'm just going to love every bit of it. Um, I understand that me and you're hogging this a wee bit, Dave, so I'm going to bring another two in here because I know they'll have something to say, but Eddie, one word I would use to describe Todd Cantwell would be prodigy. Would you agree with that? <laughs> um, I was considering throwing that one out myself, and I thought, no, I'm not going to take that bullet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he's, uh, for me... Is the closest we'll have in this era of being a Rangers fan to a complete a complete player. 
he can do everything you want going forward and he can do everything you want when you haven't got the ball as well. He's he's got skill there, he's got vision, his passing's brilliant, he his touch is brilliant, his skill I mean you you've seen it in that clip that's been going around where the, the two Celtic players were on him and he just kind of makes them look like rank amateurs and slips away. He can finish a ball, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But then when we haven't got the ball, his pressing's good, his tackling's a little bit late, but he's good at doing those kind of little niggly fouls and a bit annoyed that you've given away my secret on uh, what's bringing the money in at the moment. And I'm going to see those odds dramatically slashed going forward, I'm sure. But, you know, he's constantly there. He's constantly in the face. He's constantly nipping at their heels. I wouldn't be surprised to learn some way down the road that he's doing the little fouls that nobody does see the the kind of ones that are just designed to annoy a player to try and get them to react. Uh, for me, I just, I don't know, I haven't really got the words to say exactly how much I love him as a player. I think you'll be hard-pressed pre- hard to find a Rangers fan who A, doesn't like him, but B, hasn't already got him as their favourite player in that squad at the moment. It's a good point, uh, Eddie makes here, Kenny. We're about to lose. We're about to lose a first poster boy since 2012. We're about to lose a first hero that we had since 2012. But he's certainly been replaced now. We have a new hero, and that's no disrespect to Alfredo. We all love him. Um, we're all disappointed how it's going to end for him. We all, we all will look back fondly to to Alfredo. He he, he will be remembered forever. Uh, really, when you think about it, with his European record. Um, but. The thing that was so hard to take about Morelos leaving was like we've not got that one guy who we can pin all our hopes on. We certainly do, and some now. Yeah, we do. Uh, l- listen, the, the the boy is well. I'm 53, and I think I've got my first man crush. Put it that way. Absolutely brilliant <laughs> player. Honestly, he's. It's, how would I put it? I've actually been left kind of stunned at how good he is. Do you, do you know that way? I feel like Jim White with Brian Loudrop. How come you're so good? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 just, I just did not see this coming. See, if we're you know laughing I mean. there, right? But uh-huh. Kenny's absolutely spot on. Like, I genuinely don't think anyone anticipated just how... I know, like, there was a couple of years ago where he was huge. And sorry, Kenny, I've jumped in on your spot. No, no, crack on. I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll drop back out in a second, but... I know a couple of years ago he was linked with bigger moves, then he just kind of totally dropped off the radar. Whatever happened in Norwich happened, but I don't think any of us actually grasped how good of a player we were signing. That's exactly my point. Uh, you know you're getting a good player. I remember we, we did a couple of pods about this during the time we were signing him, and I remember saying, you know, we know that he's a talented player. We watched him rip it up in the Premier League, but when he, when he's actually turned up and he's taken... Uh, us uh, I'm totally aback and you're talking about an entire fan base here it's not as if um, there's one or two years going oh well it's all of us to a man have all went well just going to drop at your feet mate we kind of love you Uh, I did not see that coming and I knew we were going to get a decent player but I didn't as I said before on this pod I did not understand at all that we were going to get such a complete player this boy has Everything, and yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I can't really add <laughs> much more to it without sounding like a silly old man that's going gaga about a kid because it's he's just a brilliant, brilliant player. And um, sat what what he did on Saturday actually uh, kind of gave me so much hope for the future in in terms of. Uh, the way he was so creative 
the way he was so destructive, the way he's physical, the way he's box to box. I, I, it just kind of stuns me, to be honest, that we've got that kind of talent on our hands. And I actually tend to agree with you, but he's not going to be here too long. But I think we'll get a couple, of, you know, we'll get two or three years out of this boy, I think. I think he's here for a project. And I don't know if any of you guys seen, I watched it uh, on uh, Sunday with my son. I watched the... Um, the whole show, the whole program that uh, the 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 that Sky did, and there was an interview with him on it uh, before the game, a good forty five minutes before the game, and he actually said something about you know, do you expect to have a better Rangers side next year? And the boy is so committed here; it's it's quite frightening actually. He is here quite long. Not saying he's here long term, but he's here middle term. You know, at least. I think we'll get two or three years out of this guy before we all cry into our bovrils. Honestly, <laughs> what a player this boy is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to sign off because well, just I don't we... really know what else to say about him because... I've got one question for you, Kenny. Yeah. Is he welcome into your barber shop? Oh, absolutely. Forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him conditioning treatments and everything. I'll, <laughs> honestly, you can get everything free. <laughs> what a player, man. Honestly, really, yeah. as I say, I, I never thought I'd... As Dave said it absolutely perfectly well. Never thought I'd fall in love again. Well, I have. Absolute baller of a player. He really is. With love comes heartbreak, so as you say, Kenny, when that time comes, we will all be devastated and it will be uh, quite a sombre podcast. In fact, I think we'll skip that week, uh, just gives a bit of time for reflection. Um, listen, that's it. That's... Can we, we should just rename this the Toddcast. <laughs> that's definitely going to be the name of this. Um... Todd, Todd the Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a word with Andrew about that, and we'll certainly get that sorted. Um, I thought the pod, that's that's good, that's good, and it's not controversial, um, so good. Um, just before we sign off, they come to you first. Uh, you've got a competition, um, that you want to plug? Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, as some of the listeners might know, I manage an under nines, well, they're under eights, under nines next season, um, football team, and. What we kind of do, like at that age, obviously the kids grow quite quickly. So every two years we look to buy them a new training kit. Um, and so it's it's reached the kind of two-year point and I'm looking to raise money to get some training kit for them. And um, in order to do that, what I've done is I've managed to get a football signed by the first team at Rangers. Now, obviously it's not been the greatest of seasons to want something like that, but it's we've just had a really good result. So what better time to plug it? It's £2.50 an entry. Um, I'll do a raffle once I've raised enough to buy them all their new training gear. And um, the football itself, when I've looked online at the Rangers match-worn shirts and signed footballs, a similar football recently went for £450. So for a £2.50 entry, it's uh, not a bad prize, to be perfectly honest. So if you're interested in that, drop me a DM on Twitter and I'll sort you out. And the description will be... Uh, so the, the the details will be in the description of this uh, Toddcast. Um, that's what I'm certainly <laughs> calling this one. Uh, we should just call it the Toddcast for here to the end of the season. Um, so we will have inter- intellectual property rights on that. So uh, I've not heard any other Rangers podcast say that. So well done, Dave. Uh, another one for Dave. The, Dave, the, um, <laughs> the, the owner of Tony Goals, which uh, very famously was stolen by the Rangers official Twitter. So 
Um, if you want your Rangers DARPA to come here when Dave's on, um, he'll certainly provide <laughs> a plethora of content in regards to that. Um, and Kenny, you have got a, a, another competition you want to um, highlight to the listeners as well regarding some rum. Yeah, that's uh, it's Dark God Rum. Uh, we'll stick it up on Twitter tomorrow, I think, will we? And there's lots of prizes. Uh, tickets to Ideal Homes, bottles of rum, miniatures. There's loads available and the draw will be made at the end of the week, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and we'll sort it all out tomorrow, if that's okay. Absolutely. Description again, uh, well... The details will be in the description, and obviously we will be promoting it through. It's a Twitter uh, competition, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll obviously be promoting it on the official Twitter account as well. So all that remains for me to do is uh, thank my guests. First of all, Dave. Dave, uh, you're way to go and have a shower, a cold shower. I'm just, I'm just going to go and watch videos of our beautiful Todd for the rest of the night. That's my decision made. Um, Eddie, thanks very much, mate. Sorry, I got stuck on mute right at the end there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's for once, it's actually been uh, quite an enjoyable topic to discuss. Oh, actually, Eddie, we'll, we'll, we'll finish on quite a um, in regards to yourself, a, a negative. Are you going to tell the listeners what you've done to me? Um, the other day, though? no, if you, if you forgot, you're that heartless. I don't, I don't know what I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell the listeners, I'll, 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 I'll inform them. He had the absolute audacity to put the Hearts tickets on seats up without oh. even confirming. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I, thought that was, I thought that was bang on order, to be honest. I, I, I had my night planned. I had my night planned. Um, nah, I'm only kidding. It was funny because I... probably I, thought he was doing you a favour, to be fair. No, no. Dave, I says to him, he, he says I put it on uh, seats up, and I was like, ah, that's all right. And then he's like, of course it's all right. No, 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 what happened was, tickets. he goes, are you coming up to the Hearts game? And I went, no, nah, no, nah, it's a midweek game. And at this point in the season, because I need to take annual leave if I'm coming up, I was like, I'm not using annual leave because it'll mean I'll miss like one of the European qualifiers. He's like, oh, what are you doing with the tickets? I said, oh, I've, uh, I've stuck them on seats. I've been, oh, have you? Uh, that's all right. I said, I know it's all right. It's my tickets. Just got him old firm tickets, mind you, as well. He does. Uh, very uh, massive thanks to, to Eddie for that. Potentially going to cost me a lot of money because my girlfriend's now got the bug and she wants a season ticket. So uh, I've fucking had to sign up for my jails to just go on the waiting list. So that's 50 quid you cost me. Um, but I um, might, might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. Um, and Kenny, uh, thanks to yourself, mate. Um, uh, a very pleasurable pod in more ways than one. Yeah, it, it was. It's a joy when you get a result like that, isn't it? And it's good to talk about, good to have a chat about it. And I'm away to watch the highlights for about the 55th time. Um, so all that remains for me to do is obviously thank uh, the listeners as well Um, we will be back this week previewing the Hibs game we're playing Hibs at Easter Road on Sunday at 12 Um, so we'll be previewing that and then we'll be back the following week reviewing that Um, if you can follow like or subscribe to any of our social media channels we're on Facebook Twitter Instagram TikTok Uh, we're on YouTube um, Amazon Music, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, so again, like, follow, subscribe and any of that, that'd be great. Um, and as I say, we will be back this week to preview the Hibs game. So join us in. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers.